Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. Denise and I thought it would be fun this summer to just kind of pop in a couple of shows here and there that might on the surface look like they don't have a lot to do with being an empath, but if you dig deeper, they do. Because being an empath is all about learning to understand and really learn who you are, what your emotions are, what you're feeling that is yours and what you're feeling that is not yours. So that's why we've been doing different shows on like discovering your archetype and today's show, which is on what does your handwriting reveal about who you really are? This is a fun show because I think anything we can do right now to really get to know ourselves better or to see the characteristics in other people around us, it's all useful tools for navigating the world. Exactly. And did you know there's even a whole career in understanding handwriting? It's called graphology. Mm-hmm. I was I reading think, about that. Yeah. That is so cool. There's a study I read by the National Pen Association that says you can, the way you write can reveal 5,000 personality traits. So a lot of recruiters, counselors, interviewers, and personal managers are even using handwriting analysis to help them hire and work with the right people for their teams. Roland Martuso, who wrote a book called Handwriting Analysis, he calls your handwriting a photograph of your psyche. And he says it's similar to body language. He writes, whatever is inside the mind shows up in facial expressions, posture, and actions. Learning about handwriting analysis can give us clues into our true personalities of not only ourselves, but our family, friends, and coworkers. Your own handwriting style is a physical expression of your internal world. So knowing the basics about handwriting analysis can give you a little bit more insight into who you are. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to throw in a little bit of geek speak because Go you know ahead. how much I love brain chemistry. So a lot of times they'll call handwriting referred to as brain writing. And researchers, research scientists in, in neuroscience have said that the neuromuscular movement tendencies as they correlate with they do co correlate with specific observable personality traits. So each personality trait is represented by a neurological brain pattern. And this produces a unique neuromuscular movement that is the same for every person who has that personality trait. So when you're writing, these little movements that are unconscious are actually specific. And they've, they've done all kinds of studies on this. And it's, it's, what fascinates me is that this really can give a glimpse into the subconscious, into emotional responsiveness, into intellect, energy, fears and defenses, motivations, imagination, integrity, aptitudes, and even for some people, sex drive and issues of trust. So that's, and don't you think that like handwriting analysis when they try to go to the crime scene or who wrote the ransom note, that's all involved with this too? Yes, and I find that fascinating. Me too. Do you like your handwriting? As I was doing the research for the show and, and reading about different things, I write so much longhand that I've watched over the years as it's become, it just evolves. And I, I used to have very pretty penmanship, as they would say back in the day. And now it's more fluid. It just, it, there's a lot of flow to it. And you know what interests the hell out of me is that they're not teaching. A lot of places aren't. There's a whole Don't get thing. me started. That's a okay. pet peeve of mine. Okay. We need to introduce cursive writing back in the curriculum. But if we look at it from the brain research part, those are neural pathways that aren't being developed. 
And really? Yeah. And I do also think that as far as careers go, if you can fast forward a little bit, it's going to be a very lucrative career field of being able to be an interpreter for cursive writing. So if you think about it, if no one's learning cursive, and I'm amazed with how many young adults and younger people, they can't read cursive because they haven't been taught. I know. I find so it freaky. My kids went to parochial school, so they learned cursive. Mm-hmm. And yet they don't write in cursive. They'll sign their name in cursive, but they don't write in cursive. Right. Most don't. Most people don't. Most. And when you think about the, the lag time for a lot of people that are very proficient with a computer, a keyboard, a tablet, whatever it might be, texting, there's a, it's almost a little bit laborious to use a pen or a pencil for, for some folks. But see, and I think it's more laborious to print rather than cursive. Mm-hmm. I write in cursive because it's easier. It's quicker than handwriting, right. you know, in block letters or just normal print. Anyway, we digress. So one of the things you should look at when you're examining your own handwriting is the size of your writing. Studies show that the bigger your handwriting, the bigger your personality. People with large writing tend to be gregarious, outgoing, and a little bit showy. They like being the center of attention. Big writers are also very generous with their time, money, and love. On the other hand, people with small writing can be shy, introverted, private. Small writers can also be meticulous, perfectionist, and tend to be a little tight with the wallet. If you have average size handwriting, it means you're well-adjusted, flexible, and adapt easily to change. I do notice size in handwriting, and I have noticed that when people who have that tiny, meticulous print, they do tend to be more on the type A. Okay, this is good to know. I, and I was glad that I have medium-sized writing. Yes, me too. (laughs) But at at times it's been smaller, at times it's been larger. So again, this is, it's just another fun thing to realize that your handwriting may change. And there's studies that say there are certain things you can change about your handwriting that will impact your personality and your lifestyle. Well, we can talk about that later because I think just some of these things that we're talking about of just the basics of getting to realize. And going back to the printing just for a second, is a lot of people just print, and and I don't know if I believe this or not. It said people who print might have a barrier to keep the world from getting to know them. They don't easily express their innermost feelings. But then it went down, and this isn't a gender bias, but it's it was making a point of, and this was written by, by a man, and he said some men learn at an early age to keep their insecure feelings hidden from the world, and they print because of, they might print because of their messy handwriting, but the answer still applies that it's about a tendency to have that protective outer shell. And one thing that I read this years and years ago was they said, if someone prints in all capital letters as their primary mode of expression, they tend to lean towards having control issues. And I started paying attention to that and it was spot on. Yeah, I've read that too. And I agree that it tends to be pretty accurate. Now, I've noticed throughout my growing up that men did tend to print and women did tend to write in cursive. I did not think of that as an emotional thing. I thought of that as, I don't know, when I was in school, cursive was associated with femininity somehow. Did you ever get that subliminal message? 
well, we all did the drills, so I don't know. We would all do the pages and do the practice, and but I do. Feel I just like mean it like was... whenever I had to have my parents write me a note. Like for example, I was the queen at getting my parents to write me a note to get out of PE. Mm-hmm. I was very good at that. Usually, my mom wrote the note, and it was always in her flowy, spidery, cursive writing. But when I, sh- I couldn't get her, and my dad wrote it, it was oh, he always printed. Mm-hmm. So I just started noticing little things like that. Men tend to print, women tend to cursive. Now we won't be able to even, you know, make that distinction between emotional. What did you no. say? People who write in cursive tend to be more emotionally expressive and people who print tend to hold themselves in? Well, no, it just was the point on the printing. I don't know if people who write in cursive are more emotional, emotionally expressive. And this is just my eye for detail and how much I love seeing print. I love writing and and all of that, but both of my sons, they're highly, highly intelligent men. And I'm not saying that as a braggy thing. They just are. And if you looked at their handwriting though, you might not get that opinion or that impression. So sometimes I wonder if people print because their handwriting isn't reflective of who they really are. It's not about eye-hand coordination. It's not about, but how many people do you know that you just can't read what they're writing? Oh, so many, including myself. (laughs) I'm a lefty, so I've worked really, really, really hard on my penmanship, and it always starts out really nice and in between the lines, and then as I get going, you know, my writing gets bigger, and it gets more loopy and more uh, difficult to read. And let's look at a doctor's note. You can never read anything a doctor writes, and they're all brilliant. Did you have to really work on not tilting, slanting left? I still can't do, I have, my paper, when I write, my paper is never straight in front of me. It has to be turned almost at like a 45 degree to a 90 degree angle. My best friend in elementary school was left-handed. And I remember the teacher just, oh, that poor girl, just, you're not, it was so hard on her about her penmanship. Oh, it was awful. When we moved half, well, more than halfway through my second grade year, we moved in March of my second grade year. It was traumatizing. And I had this really mean teacher, first of all. And when I walked in the very first day, you know, so it's March. The kids have been together since August. And she said, oh, we have a new student, Samantha. And I sat down at the table and I, you know, started doing whatever they were working on. And she, you know, it was an older school, so they had the right-handed desks, you know, that mm-hmm. wrap around. And she noticed how I was writing, and she was like, oh, that's not going to do. And she made such a big deal, Denise. She called the janitor in and had him bring in, like, a left-handed desk, a right-handed desk, put them in front of the class, made me sit in each and tell oh, him which felt Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, it was awful. And I always smudged my paper, because when you're left-handed and you're taught to write left to right, you're, you're going to smudge with ink. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of lefty woes I could go into, but I won't. <laughs> we'll go back to handwriting, but yes. I do think that that's because one of the things was on the next thing is on on writing slants. It said you can't judge a left-handed person by their slant because it if you're looking at the personality traits that go with it. Oh, that makes sense. So what do the slants reveal for a right-handed person? Well, it says for for anybody, if you're writing slants to the right, you're open to the world around you and like to socialize with other people. And I've heard that that's more of a future 
like looking forward, moving forward. If it goes to the left, you, and again, everything we're saying is generalizations and it, 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 this isn't science, anyway. To the left, you generally like to work alone or behind the scenes. If you're right-handed and, you're right, and your handwriting slants to the left, you may be expressing rebellion, which I thought was interesting. To the left also may be about the past, of being more reflective, of letting the past determine the direction or, or things in your life. And if there's no slant and it's upright, it, you can tend to be logical and practical. You might be a little bit guarded with your emotions. You might be in that place of trying to stay really present in your life. That is really interesting. So the other thing to look at when you're examining your handwriting is spacing. The space you leave between your words can reveal clues about your quirks and habits. If you have wide spacing, it means you enjoy your own space. You put up good boundaries. Wide spacers don't like crowds and prefer cozy nights in with their partner to a big party. You need your freedom, even on paper. People with narrow spacing love being with others. These are the people who tend to have 50 best friends. Studies show, however, that narrow spacers tend to have poor time management, possibly because they're trying to cram too much into one day. That When I read that, Denise, I was a little surprised because I would think the opposite. I would think if you have big, big spaces, it meant you were the person who would have 50 best friends. Mm-hmm. Tight, tight spaces would mean you were more of an introvert. Right. But and- what do I know? I'm not a graphologist. But that goes, but if this all ties in together because to jump back to the slants for a minute, they also say if you slant to the right, it can be more extroversion. To the left is more shyness or introversion. And if it's vertical writing, there's a higher degree of self-control. So, and if you, if it's all over the place, maybe a tendency for mood swings or um, maybe a little ambivalence. So it, it is, they all piece together like a puzzle, all the different parts. I remember I had a student once who really kind of creeped me out. He just wrote about some, you know, interesting things in our creative writing class. And I used to joke to all my co-teachers, he has the writing of a serial killer. You know, haven't you ever like looked at someone's handwriting and been like, holy cow, what's going on in that head? Uh, Yep. Considering my background quite a few times. Yep. Well, about four years later, Mike came home from a case he was called out on, and I don't want to go into details, but it was bad, and that kid was the perpetrator. Oh. Yeah, and I remember one of my friends from work calling me, and she was like, is that the kid you said had the hand of a serial killer? And I said, yeah, that's him. So was it something specifically in the writing, or was it more what you got intuitively from it or both? I think it was more of an intuitive uh, hunch. He had this intense stare that really creeped me out. Anytime, if we were, it was, um, it wasn't a creative writing class. It was, um, what is that called? Critical thinking. But we would read a lot of creative short stories and then I would have them summarize it, critique it, compare, contrast it. And he, elements of his writing just always felt darker to me or like he was pulling out the negative aspects of a story. Mm-hmm. Handwriting itself was very, it was chicken scratch. It was like he was putting so much pressure on the pen on the paper. Like you could feel the intensity and he never stayed within the lines of 
the margins, you know, when you have like notebook paper, mm-hmm. he, he did not pay attention to the lines or the red lines on the vertical lines on each side. He just wrote all over the place. And I remember thinking, what the heck? I don't know. It was just weird that I would joke about that a couple of times, you know, when you m- bump into teachers at the copier, that type of thing. I'd be like, look at this handwriting. And then a couple of years later, boom. Well, and a couple things. They always say when someone, if you're writing on the line, but you're above the line when you write, that you have a more optimistic outlook. If, you're, if, it, if your letters go below the line, descending lines can be pessimistic. It can also be you can watch and see, do you, you tend to work on an incline, write on an incline? Do you tend to write downward? Those can all be indicators of, of where you are with your mood or psychology. There was something about the pressure too, because when you said that, I can remember different folks I worked with and they would almost have this heavy grip on the, that it would such a tension with, when they would hold on to a, a pencil, a crayon, a, a marker, a, like almost a grip rather than just holding it. It symbolizes the intensity of the psychological energy of the writer. So it can also be about the security of the person in the action they're performing or the degree of conviction they have, you know, about vitality, sensuality, illness. But I think it's very interesting because you've seen people, and I've I've caught myself, again, because I journal every morning with a pen, is that sometimes when I'm really frustrated about something and I go back and look at it, it is a much thicker, it's a much heavier, it's a much denser writing than if I'm in a la-la, happy-go-lucky place, which is more light and flowy. I had to buy a new journal because I've been telling my kids, and they have not been doing it. Imagine that, teenagers (laughs) not listening. But to any moms and dads out there, I think kids should be doing this. I've been telling them, I want you to journal all about this pandemic. Because when you have grandchildren, they're going to be like, Mom, tell us about the pandemic of 2020. And it'll be neat to have a little journal of what you did each day and whatnot. So I keep telling them to do it. They're not doing it, but I'm doing it. And my first journal I got for the pandemic was unlined paper. And if you're a lefty, you know, you should not buy unlined paper. <laughs> and the first like couple of paragraphs of each entry, my handwriting always slants up. And then as I start writing about things going on in the world and my fears about them, the handwriting goes boom down. It's fascinating. So I had to go get a new line journal so I'd stop reading my emotions and fears and anxieties about <laughs> the world right now. So I think that's really true. And I think that's another one of the aspects of our handwriting that changes. So none of this is concrete or set in stone. It's just reflective of, of who you are now and where you are now. There are certain letters you can look at. So L's are a good example. So how you make a lowercase L. If it's closed, like you don't have much of a loop, meaning the upstroke overlaps the downstroke when you're making that L, it can be an indication of feeling really tense. It can also be about restricting yourself in all ways. If it's a really full loop on that L, it often indicates spontaneity, feeling relaxed, quite easier to express yourself. So same thing, if you're making the loop for an E, like a lowercase E, if it's closed up and tight, it can often be about a tendency to be skeptical or unswayed by emotional arguments. A full open E can be more like an open loop can be more about an open mind and trying to enjoy new things. If S's, S's are, if they're rounded, like lowercase S's, you tend to be a people pleaser and maybe seek compromise. You avoid confrontation. 
if it's a pointy little S, then you're, you might be more intellectually pro probing or, or like to study new things. The higher and pointier the peaks are, the more ambitious you are. And if they're open at the bottom for a lowercase s, you might not be following your heart. For example, if you always wanted to be an artist, but you have a career in finance. And if they're printed S's, there's a, a versatility that's, that's um, portrayed with that. So I just think that there's just so many different little idiosyncrasies with this that it's fun. It is. And you're right. People who write with pointy letters tend to be really hard on themselves, but more patient with others. Whereas round letter writers are creative and mm -hmm. tend to be more artistic. But however, they do tend to avoid conflict. Um, and like you said, are definitely people pleasers. And those who add like a high flying end stroke on their letters are said to be attention seekers. Do you dot your eyes with stars or hearts? No. No, I don't either. However, what you do with your dots over your eyes can reveal who you are. If you have a high dot over your eye, it can indicate a great imagination and a person who thinks outside of the box. If your dot is to the left, you might be a procrastinator. This can also indicate someone who has a hard time letting things go. If your dot lands to the right, it's someone who is detail-oriented, but also forward-thinking. And people who dot their eyes with stars or hearts tend to have bubbly personalities. They tend to wear rose-colored glasses and see the best in everyone. So what if you feel a need to go back and dot the eye if you missed it? That troubles me. If I'm writing and oh, then I'm too. going really fast, I have to go back and, and dot the eye. Me too. I do the same thing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's funny. My middle daughter, Tori, she's Victoria, but she goes by Tori with an I. And she, before she hit middle school, she always dotted her I with a big star. So she would turn the I into a star. And she was exactly like that, like saw the best in everyone. I used to always say that she embodies that quote. She leaves a trail of glitter wherever she goes, you know, because she was mm -hmm. just her dream when she was a little girl. This was her lifelong dream until she hit middle school. She wanted to create a shoe company for little girls that were safe, high heels. Oh, yep. Because she always had to dress up and have the necklaces and the earrings and the... And then she hit middle school and, you know, the teen years settled in. <laughs> so she doesn't dot her eyes with stars as much anymore, but she still does see the best in everyone. And, and she definitely has a bubbly personality. But I've never known anyone personally who dotted their eyes with hearts. I, I did. I don't have a positive comment, so I'm going to say nothing. Because I don't okay. know what the hearts mean. I, well, I think they're like... Love and happy and joy and... Or you you know those people who that? are like um, too sweet to be forgotten, you know, like those. Yeah, yeah. Um, that kind of a thing. Yes. They can't hear bad news. They can't read negative. Like they can't handle anything. So they just block it out. I think those are the heart type of people. And, and I think that's the true heart people. But then there yeah. are heart people. The person that popped into my head years and years and years ago, that was what was presented, but it wasn't what was behind the veil. Got it. How you cross your T's tells you a lot about yourself as well. If you cross your T's toward the top, making it look more like a crucifixion, this means you think well of yourself. You have no problem making yourself a priority. High T crossers can be a little arrogant and very ambitious at work. If your bar is long, it means you're very focused and determined. You're a good planner. You get things done. A short cross 
across your T reveals someone who's stubborn and might lack focus with long-term goals. A bar right in the center indicates someone who is well-balanced with a generous spirit. It tends to differ. Mine as well. Very much so. And sometimes it doesn't even hit the bar. It's just like, whoosh, just goes right by. So I don't know what that would mean. Well, that would just mean you're heavy into your journaling work. But a lot of times I'll just write, even if I'm doing something that's not journaling, it, I do better if it's, it's uh, handwritten first. It seems to hit a different place in my brain. And that goes into this, how fast you write. So the speed of writing can be about uh, comprehension. It can be about intellectual assimilation. It can be about how fast your mind is working. Uh, it points up how fast, like the speed of to resolve tasks. And this is a really big one. If you do any type of automatic writing or channeled writing or uh, connection with, with another energy while you're writing is I've noticed that it seems to really get going very fast. And if you're truly channeling, sometimes your handwriting will change and it's not you specifically changing it, but it will shift have you had that experience? Have I had the experience of my handwriting changing? It, well, if, if you're channeling something or if you're like so in the zone that you're writing and then you can feel inspiration, inspirational writing, maybe more so than channeled, but you're, you're, it may, you're, you can feel the, the, the pen, the pencil, whatever you're working with, start to shift in your hand. But the, when you go back and read it, it's a different script. I have had that experience a few times. I'm not as strong or good of a channeler as you are, so it's not as intense as you're describing. Okay. But I think that's important if anyone's listening that does channel or does that, don't be freaked out by that. That can often, it just means you're switching. Or if you're switching different parts of your brain, it can shift your handwriting when you're, when you're in that intensity of, of full flow writing. One thing I do is if I am doing like sometimes I'll do a meditation where I'll just ask my guides and angels what I need to know Mm -hmm. and I'll write out my question and then I'll put the pen in my right hand my opposite hand and I'll try to free flow the answer that way and so then my handwriting definitely changes but it's because I've switched my normal handwriting hand right I write so fast that I've created my own shorthand I started Mm -hmm. that in high school like, I, I have all these abbreviations that only I know what they mean. So it'd be interesting if someone did find my journals for them to try to interpret it. Because I, I, my mind is so much faster than my hand that sometimes it's frustrating and, and hard to keep up. That's interesting because in high school, I took college prep. And then for electives, I took business courses. So I took accounting and typing and all the other things. And one of them was uh, a form of, it wasn't traditional shorthand. It was uh, like abbreviations. And they taught us all these. So reading would be RDG. And you would just, and there was a whole, it was a year-long class. And and I have journals from back in that time. And I look at some, it's like, oh my God, what the hell does this say? I don't know. So I have other ones that I wrote in French because I was, very fluent in French at one point, and now I'm not. So <laughs> just just be aware that what you're writing at the time might be kind of hard to decipher later on when you go back. 
my youngest, her school notes are so beautiful. I think she was like a monk in a past life who used to copy Bibles by hand. Oh. She has to write them in all different inks, and her handwriting is amazing. And it was very frustrating when I was homeschooling in the spring because I'd be like, okay, so let's read this and write notes on it. Oh, and it would take forever because she'd have to do it perfectly. And it was, I mean, her handwriting is the best I've ever seen of anyone. So I think you can look at other people and look at their handwriting and get insights into them because she is a perfectionist on her. She is hard on herself and she does want things to be just so. Whereas like my oldest, she doesn't care. Like she just, she writes out her notes. She can read them. That's all that matters. She gets it done. And that, that's her personality. You know, she just kind of breezes through life. So I think you can even apply this to your children, your partner, your coworkers. And I think that's really fun to do. It is. And there really are uses for this. This is, we're making it light and fun and getting to know yourself a little better, but you can also, in a way to understand yourself better is just to validate for yourself, maybe certain characteristic or personalities traits and seeing those as your advantages and, it can help you gain insight into what your strengths and weaknesses might be. You might have to face some things that's like, oh, maybe I'm a little tight about that, or maybe I do need to be more focused. But at least it's giving you a stepping off point, another tool to use to say, what's really wonderful about me and what do I want to work on? You can even tell if someone's lying by their handwriting. Mm -hmm. I don't know how accurate this is, but according to studies, you can evaluate someone's handwriting. And if it looks different than they normally write, this can indicate a lie. Or bunched up, tight handwriting can point to lying because the liar is trying to hide from their lying, even on paper. Someone who always adds double loops in their cursive O's are said to be pathological liars. What's a double loop in a cursive O? I don't o? know. That's what I was just... Is it mean like when... I'm trying to think when you make a loop... Oh, okay. So if you're making a lowercase... O or, or an uppercase O, and then you would have that little circle on top. But that, that was traditional cursive instruction back in the day. Yeah, you have to add that second loop. Uh, that's what right. I was wondering if they meant like you make the loop at the top and then you make another one in the middle. Or maybe, I, don't know. I know when I write cursive O's, my O is, my, the little loop is really tight at the top. Uh -huh. So maybe you're right. Maybe they're saying like an exaggerated loop. I don't know. I don't know. Inner loops, according to handwriting expert Bart Baggett, says that the crossover signify the inner loops. I'm sorry. Let me say that again. The inner loops that cross over signify a person who is not comfortable telling the whole truth. The bigger the loops, the bigger the lies. They also said if there's an exaggerated space between, so if, if you ask someone to write down their age and they hesitated that's just psychology if someone hesitates and because that's an automatic response is how old you are well most of the time anyway and but if there's a, a really extreme space between the numbers or between the numbers and the word prior so there's there's all these fascinating little things if you have an eye for detail and love to do puzzles this seems like it would be a, an incredible thing to dive into I agree. And you can also look at your signature. Does your signature look really different than your handwriting, Denise, like when you sign your name? Not really. No. 
but I've noticed that my D's are much different over the years. If I look back at, at different times in my life, that would be interesting to com- just to compare the D's and Denise, just the, the large D and, and see. I don't know. I have a hard time with the capital cursive S. Mm-hmm. So, so do I you always- do it in, in like more of a, you don't make a traditional S though, do you? No, I just, so I just do like a capital printed S and then mm-hmm. loop it at the bottom and then cursive Antha, Amantha. <laughs> okay. Oh. So, no, that anyway. makes sense because I mean, that, that's what there's even a thing called graphotherapy that yeah. they're saying is like a behavior mod thing that you, it, it goes into the, the neuromuscular connections having a direct impact on the neural pathways like we talked about earlier. But secondly, it gives the person a clear and visual representation of the change that they're making on a daily basis. So that reinforces the belief system and cements the change in the behavior consciously and unconsciously, which I thought was interesting. That is really interesting. Someone had, I was reading this little blurb about, is there a correlation between handwriting and the Myers-Briggs? And can you find a personality type based on handwriting and they, the, the person who, who answered this said that you can identify personality. That's the whole premise behind handwriting analysis. But the language isn't identical to other standard tests. But they did find the correlation was over 3%, which is very high, 3, 3.0, which, which is very high. But since it wasn't formal, no psychologist was ever going to make the correlation between the two. Wow. Okay, well... You can look at your signature and see how you are presenting yourself to the world. So if your signature is illegible, it means you like your privacy. You don't like to reveal too much of yourself too soon. You know how you see some signatures and you can maybe recognize one or two letters in their name, but the rest are just kind of lines? Mm -hmm. That might mean you're dealing with someone who likes their privacy. These people might come off as secretive or aloof, but really they're just careful about who they trust. If your your signature is clearly legible, it means you're very sure of yourself and you have nothing to hide. If you add flourishes, it can indicate someone who likes to put on airs. If you leave out letters in your name, it can mean there are aspects of yourself you'd like to change. So what about just a squiggle? I guess that would mean someone who's very secretive but kind of enjoys their secrecy because that seems like hiding and a bit of a flair. Do you know what I mean? Well, I worked with this woman years ago and I watched as her career progressed and how her, she used to sign things and I have, we worked together quite a long time ago. And then as she became more successful in her field, she all of a sudden, it was almost like there was a self-importance to just putting this big whoosh, whoosh, right across the, like, I'm too busy. I, I don't have time to write my name anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've definitely known people like that, too. It's like, um, you're not signing autographs, lady. This is for a stock file report, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so then the question is, because we do have a global audience, which I fascinate. I, I just love that. I feel so blessed that we get to talk to so many people. So... A question would be, is it the same for all languages? And it really depends on the alphabet. So the, the strokes that are re- relevant in a Latin-based language that are well-researched and widely taught, so all the Latin-based languages, English, Spanish, Italian, French, et cetera, are fair game. But if you write a language that has a completely different alphabet, 
the analysis would have to be different. The, the techniques would be different. Oh, that's a great point. I wonder if graphologists have to study other languages and if there's different takes on it. We should have looked into that. We should have. Good point. <laughs> well, I think that looking at your handwriting or someone else's handwriting can just give you clues. Like, don't you think if when you shake someone's hand, can't you tell a lot about a person just from how they, well, no one shakes hands anymore, but before the pandemic. Yes. Couldn't you tell a lot about someone by their handshake? Oh, and I, I am a very judgy about handshakes. I am too. What's your have, least favorite handshake? Just that, that limp paw. Me too. Or the, or the limp fingertips. Oh, oh no, there'll be none of that. Or the people who do it like you're supposed to kiss their ring. They'll just like put their hand in your hand like yes. you're supposed to kiss their ring. No. Yeah, I, I don't and, like that. And I don't like the double handshake either. No. When they put their hand on top of yours, that's no. really controlling to me. No, don't like that either. Nope. But I, I had a, a boss, a, a, a male who had a very weak handshake. And it, it just, it didn't give across that authority or that strength or that sense of self that I would equate with a, uh, a leadership role. Was he a leader? He, he was an administrator, yeah. But, I mean, was he a leader? Like, was he a good no, boss? I, I can't. I, I think um, it depend. It depended on who you asked. Um, but that was something that I did with my sons when they were little, is we practiced handshakes. Because I said, you never want to crush anyone's hand, but you want to have a firm handshake so that you're presenting who you are, you're making a good impression. But oh, we worked, I think that, and perhaps we'll get back to that again. But I think it's equally, I'm female, and I have always had a good handshake. Like when I, inter when people, did you, when you were introduced to people back in the, so you went to a job interview mm -hmm. back in the day. And someone, when you go in, would you reach your hand out for a handshake? When, yes, when, always. Okay, me too. Always. Do you think we'll go back to shaking hands? I don't know. I, I, I think there are so many shifts right now that it will be, I think that the lack of physical contact for a lot of people is, ha even if it is just a handshake or a pat on the shoulder or whatever it might be, is, is having an adverse effect for many, many people right now. Yeah, I think it's definitely hard. My, my, one of my really good friends is an ER nurse. And so she's been, you know, kind of coaching me through this. And she asked me to meet her for lunch on Friday. And I was like, really? Like with people outside and in the world and she was like yeah and I was like okay because she's been very obviously vigilant about everything mm -hmm. she's been dealing with so we went to this restaurant we had our masks on and we asked for a table outside and we sat down and there's nothing on the table you know there's no ketchup there's no salt and pepper it's, there's nothing and there are no menus I'm like how do we order I've never been here before and on the bottom I mean on the bottom on the top of the table was a sticker and you had to get out your phone and scan it, and then the menu would pop up. Oh, wow. Yeah. So things are definitely changing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that they're going to go back no. to the way they were before. So I don't know if we'll go for job interviews and shake hands. No. Can you imagine? What if our grandkids like have to learn how to do a good elbow bump? <laughs> <laughs> but not even with the pandemic you know, just doing a little bit of research for this show, Denise, I was thinking about 
how handwriting is going to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, so few people write anymore. True. That troubles me. It makes me sad. As a history buff, it really troubles me. Because yeah. most of what we know about our famous people that we study is from their letters. And as a medium, for me, that's one of the most precious things people leave behind is something that's handwritten because it it's like a fingerprint. It is so unique to every person and it holds their energy. So if you're blessed to have anything from someone you love who has passed and you have some, I have some of my, my mother's old recipes. I have some of my grandmother's old writings. I have something from my father and it just, it, it holds a special energy. It does. You know, my sister was cleaning out her attic with her husband uh, a couple of weekends ago and she called me over and she was like, look at all these letters we wrote to each other. Mm-hmm. And this was going up until the late 90s. We would write to each other every week. That's when we had cell phones, kind of. You know, they weren't like the walking computers we have now. But we still wrote to each other every week when we didn't live in the same town. And she kept all of hers. I kept all of mine. And I just think about that, how... Very few people send birthday cards anymore or Christmas cards. Oh, my Christmas card wreath was so sad this year. I have like a, I have like a little wreath that holds all the Christmas cards. And yeah. every year it's getting emptier and emptier because we're just not sending out Christmas cards. Some are. I still do, but a lot of people aren't. That was something that truly, truly touched my heart. I haven't sent Christmas cards in years and years. After my father passed, years later, my mother gave me a folder. And she says, I thought you might want these. And they were cards and letters I had written to my father from different places I'd lived. And just it touched my heart so much that he had saved them. So, and I remember my grandmother had like this, it was like a, like a cigar box back in the day. And she would have cards in there or notes or pictures. And every once in a while, she'd just pull one out and read it and smile. And they, they can, I know we're not supposed to clutter and save things, but sometimes it's nice to have a little, little stack of that stuff to remind yourself of, of people that you love. I think it's important. And I don't want handwriting to become a lost art. No. And I think it's important to keep doing that and sending cards and letters and keeping up with people that way. I uh, a dear a friend of mine who volunteered in my classroom, I've mentioned before on the show, and he, he and his wife are in their late 70s now, and he writes a letter to his sisters. Every few weeks he writes a letter, and then he goes to the library or wherever he can at the, during these times, and he photocopies this letter, and it's all about his, what's going on, what's growing in the yard, how his wife is doing, how his grandkids are doing. Very, he sent me a couple of them. They're, they're fun. And then he photocopies it and he sends one to each sister. And then he gets a reply from each of the sisters. And I just think that that is such a beautiful connection for family if you still have that available. Because that it is. is. It's a it, good idea. Mm-hmm. I have Similar. a friend who moved away a couple of years ago. And, you know, the first couple of years we spoke every week and then it was every month. And now it's like every two or three months. And it's kind of hard because there's so much to catch up on that we never get to what's happening in our lives now because we're just playing catch up. And I've almost wanted to say to her, I think we should like shift to letters and phone calls. 
so we can catch each other up in the letters and then call and talk about it. But that feels so old school. I'm, I haven't said it yet. But pen pals. We had pen pals when we were kids. And, yeah. Um, but there was, I saw that on TV, on a line last week. These women had been pen pals for, oh my goodness, they were old women. They'd been pen pals for like almost 70 years and they'd never met each other. They had never, ever met. They were from different parts of the world. And their, oh, I just got willies. Their children arranged for them to be at the same place at the same time. And it was this big surprise. And one of the women, it was some kind of an event. And one of these women went out onto the stage. I'm going to cry. And then they showed the woman in the audience recognizing that this was her friend of 70 years that she'd never seen before. Wow. And it was so beautiful. But again, it goes back to the power of that communication. And, and they shared everything. They shared the ups, the downs, the births, the deaths, the, the stories, the recipes. They shared their lives from across the world. And we do that now with emails. We do it now with, with uh, social media. But there's something about the process of writing it out, putting it in an envelope and putting a stamp on it that's very, very different. It is so different. I have a friend right now who's going through a difficult time and she's got so much going on. She hasn't had time to talk in a couple of days. So we're just texting. And I was thinking as I walked the dogs this morning, I cannot support a friend through text. Right. You know, because the, the syntax, the tone, it's all missing. It's, you could do it in a letter, you can uh-huh. do it better in person, obviously, or a phone call. But you, I love texting you know, I think any introvert out there is thanking God every day for texting. <laughs> but you lose a lot with this new way of communicating. So I do hope that we still choose to connect with people, whether it's through a handshake or a letter or at least a holiday card. I, I just think it's really, really important. But anyway, we've gotten off track of it. So when you're looking at your own handwriting, you just want to pay attention to how you're writing. And it might be fun if you have some time or you're cleaning out your own attic to look at some of your old cards or journals and see if your handwriting has changed through the years. I know, Denise, you said yours has. I know mine has. And think about what was going on in my life when my handwriting looked like that. What does that say about me? And then think about what your handwriting now is saying about you. And you can use it to just really start to understand and embrace all of who you are and what you're feeling and going through. Exactly. Well, we hope this has been fun, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. As always, please remember to show up, do great work, and share your light.